Hi, this is episode 15 of the Viva La Diva podcast. I'm your host, Laura J. Ingalls, and it's time to dare you to unconditionally love yourself. So I am super pumped about this episode because I am going out on a little bit of a limb here, and I am going to do something that I had been talking about doing, thinking about doing, and then every time I would think about it, I would be like, oh, is that really where I want to go with this podcast? Is that really what I do? And and then I'd backtrack, and then I'd put things off, and I'd wait for perfection, and I'd do what, what we all do whenever we're feeling like... Um, you know, we're really putting ourselves out there and I, and I worry, you know, is it going to be perfect? What if I make a mistake? What if I say something wrong? And, and I have really been, um, and I think to me, when I do those things, it's a sign that what it is that I have to say, or the thing that I want to share is actually really important to me. Um, and so you're probably all going to laugh because it's just talking about nutrition from a body positive um, viewpoint. And you know what? I almost even hate to use that term from a body positive view, viewpoint because really it's just science. Um, I'm uh, Those of you who know me and as you're getting to know me through this podcast will know that I'm a little obsessed with scientific studies. I think I might be the only person that I know who isn't a scientist who gets really nerdy on like the National Institute of Health website um, just for interest. And, um, and so... Uh, but the, the beautiful thing that science um, teaches us and that gives us is some facts to work with when it comes to the human body and that I have found those facts to be very freeing when it comes to the way that I view my body, what my body is doing, and then what I make that mean about myself and who I am. Um, so... I'm going to dive in today because I've been saying so I've been saying forever that I'm going to do these nutrition mini episodes and and you know what I'm just going to rip off the bandaid and I'm going to do it and we're going to start the discussion today and I'm really pumped about it. And I'm going to challenge each of you uh, every time that I do one of these podcasts where I'm talking about food and the body and not just, you know, what's been going on lately or um or a related but maybe less scientific idea. And so I'm going to give you some challenges so that you might be able to uncover what is possible for you when you start thinking about food and when you start thinking about your body and when you start thinking about exercise from uh, from my point of view. Um, I So I invite all of you to just try it on and see what you think. And, uh, and I'd love to hear back from you about uh, about what you what you get out of it. So the thing I really want to open up with is when I think about food and when I think about nutrition, I really always try to remind myself to come back to this concept of thriving, that I want a body that thrives. You know, I want, when I think about what I want out of life, you know, I want adventure, I want travel, I love races and running and triathlons. And, you know, I love that when my nephew comes to visit me, I'm not, I'm never too tired to just play with him all day long. And he's three and a half and he is a ball of energy. Um, and I love that, you know, there's a seven, little seven year old girl in my life now, um, my boyfriend's daughter, and, you know, she's got so much energy. And I love that I, I feel like I can keep up with her, no sweat. And um, 
And thriving to me means that whenever um, adventure presents itself at my doorstep, I never have to say no because I'm worried that my body won't let me do it. Um, Thriving to me also means um, really cultivating a sense of balance. It means cultivating, um, you know, good quality sleep so that when I wake up in the morning, my my mind is fresh and sharp and ready to go and, um, and I can manage my time and myself and my schedule. And that's all part of thriving. And, you know, my relationships with other people, whether that's my mom or um, my sister or my significant other or my friends, that that there is, you know, that there is health and um, well-being within those relationships. And so when I sit down and I think about food, um, I, I really have come to understand that what I eat plays a direct role in the functions of my body. And the functions of my body are the things that allow me to thrive. And um, what was really brilliant about that is that at no point in my life when I was um, weight loss dieting, so when I was in my teens and my early 20s um, and I was constantly on that yo-yo back and forth, at no point did any diet I ever did make me feel like I was thriving. Um, it really, they really made me feel like I was less than, and like I, you know, didn't have a handle on my, on my own power. You know, um, there was some better version of me living out there in the future. And the version of me that was right now today, you know, wasn't good enough. And so that didn't really contribute to thriving in multiple areas, but, um, just sort of, straight to the point, it didn't help me feel like I was thriving within my own body just in terms of energy. You know, whenever I was on uh, any wacky yo-yo diet, I was exhausted all the time. I was always sleepy. I was always cranky. I was always, you know, at war with my body. And I think that a lot of times that was because of caloric restriction or missing entire food groups that were important to keeping my hormones functioning or, you know, um, any number of, of, of factors, but that there actually was like an energy deficiency there going on. And that was, um, you know, and, and a vitamin and a mineral deficiency that was going on that was making me feel tired. And so, um, so I really loved that framework for when I think about eating and food. So food, exercise, sleep, my stress lifestyle, all of these choices matter. And, and they matter kind of regardless of my waistline. Like if I never lost another pound or if I, you know, gained 10 pounds, things like food, exercise, sleep, stress, you know, relationships, those things would still be really, really important to me. Um, The other piece of this, though, is that I had to make a big decision about thriving. And thriving to me means making the decision today, right now, that I am attractive, I'm powerful, I'm beautiful, because I just am. That there's no metric, regardless of, you know, whether we're looking at cholesterol, blood sugar, you know, um, or the number on the scale, there's no metric that dictates whether I'm attractive, powerful, or beautiful, because those things are just because they are. Um, They are not at all related to my waistline or to my, you know, discipline with my eating habits um, or even my exercise habits. I am those things because I 
choose to be those things. And, um, and I feel like if I didn't have that right within my heart, it wouldn't matter what my body looks like because I would always feel less than. Um, and so I, giving myself that gift, I think some of us feel worried that, you know, if we say I'm okay the way I am today, it means that we'll never, you know, quote, do the right thing for our bodies and, you know, get out there and go for a run or eat. But the magic, when you just lean into what is and you just love who you are today right now is that you start treating yourself with love and care. And that means giving your body the ingredients it needs to perform really well um, and not caring what the result is on the scale, but just caring, you know, what that does because it, it gives you this gift of like energy and abundance and excitement and clarity and, and, um, and so to me, that's why I treat myself. When I think of treating myself, I treat myself to awesome health because I just get so excited about, you know, what there is for me to do in life. And I just don't want um, to feel like exhaustion and energy depletion is, is stopping me from doing something. Um, and so I offer this to all of you to try it on, to consider what might open up for you if today, right now, you were enough. Um, that you were beautiful today to try that on, um, that with all of, you know, all of your perceived flaws or all of the mistakes you may have made in your life or, you know, that, that that's just a part of being human and that it has a natural beauty to it. That is you. And, um, you know, because I certainly think that about you and I really love all of you. Uh, that's why I'm doing this, why I'm putting my heart out there and 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 letting my imperfections show because um, I've got plenty, believe me. Uh, but i'm but I'm standing here for you, and I'm going to just start speaking from the heart. and um and so i I want for you to try this on to just see, like, could I be okay right now today without changing another thing? A lot of you, uh, so if you ever go on my website, um, you'll see that uh, along this note, um, and as I sort of came to my own revelations about this, I wrote a book and I uh, and I called it "Fuck Skinny," and, and with the subtitle "How I How I Quit Dieting and Found My Health." And if you're looking for it on Amazon, it's uh, f hashtag at sign k skinny. Um, and you can also find that on my website, laurajingles.com. And, uh, and I, and I, in that, I tell the story of how I, I came around to that saying, it was a really crazy moment at a barbecue with a really good friend of mine. And I was on, you know, my umpteenth diet. I was maybe 23 years old and I, um, you know, she asked me why I wasn't eating and I just kind of freaked out and was like, ah, you know, God meant for me to be this skinny. Why did it make it so fucking hard to get there? And I mean, like I'm from Boston, the F-bombs were going like crazy, especially because I was so frustrated. And, uh, and I just, it was like my first like F skinny moment. And it really, uh, changed my perspective. It, you know, it started that shift for me. Um, and, what was really crazy about it was all that fear that I had that if I, you know, continued to think that I was imperfect, you know, 
that was the thing that was driving me to, to make good choices. Like that ended up being completely false. And as a matter of fact, the more I love myself, the more re- I realized that saying, you know, F skinny and just embracing my body the way that it is, it doesn't mean that I don't care about what I eat. I actually do care about what I eat. And it also doesn't mean that I don't care about what the scale is telling me. It just means that I really think differently about what the scale is telling me. Um, what I what I have a problem with is weight loss as a goal. Um, I don't use food as a mechanism to lose weight. I use food as a mechanism to fuel a body that needs food in order to survive and also to um, enjoy life. <laughs> like I know that sounds crazy, but there is absolutely a place for indulgences in life. Um, and we have these taste buds that are amazing and uh, can give us just some incredible experiences if we can lay aside the guilt and just be in the moment with ourselves every once in a while. Um, and so, you know, I do care about the fuel that goes in my body and I, and I do care about the scale, but what I, the reason that I care about the scale is because I think that it can sometimes give me a little tap on the shoulder about, you know, Hey, something is changing and I don't, allow the judgment to then come of, and whatever it is, is your fault, um, or, and you have to change it. But, you know, there, for me in my life, there is a correlation between a weight change and the health of my body. And so I like to just kind of take a look at that, but it doesn't mean that I then panic to do whatever it is that I need to do in order to bring the weight on the scale down. It just means like, okay, I'm going to go get a blood test. I'm going to see what's going on. And, you know, sometimes I'll notice that my blood sugar is high. And so that is like, oh, all right, shoot, I better, uh, you know, if I love my body and I don't want, you know, high blood sugar and all of the host of other things that come along with that, that would limit me from doing the things I want to do in life, I, you know, make different choices most of the time about what I'm eating, let's say late at night. Um, or, you know, I eliminate that extra Starbucks and instead have a cup of, cup of tea, but it has nothing like, I don't care, you know, if the scale goes up or down after I make that change, what I care about is whether I see improvements in my blood sugar. And even if I don't see improvements in my blood sugar, I still don't allow that to mean anything about my value or my self-worth. Um, that's a made up meaning. And, you know, I just... I just try to see it as information and I try to see it as important information, but the scale is certainly never, ever the whole picture. You know, I've, I have, can tell you tale after tale of, of women who have come on retreats with me and who, you know, have read my book and written to me about how, you know, there was a time in their life when they, uh, were losing weight like crazy and they thought, wow, this is amazing. And then they found out that they had cancer. So, um, you know, in that case, the weight loss was t- like not telling them the story that they initially thought that it was telling them. And it really was never about them or their, you know, how good they were or, you know, how disciplined they were or how beautiful they were. It was their body trying to tell them, hey, something is super wrong here. Um, so, uh, so, and I, and I take issue that weight loss as a goal, like, I just think I have a real problem with it. Um, the problem is that, that it, we know from study after study after study that the more that we focus on weight loss, the worse we actually get at it. You know, there's this, the statistic that 90% of diets don't work. 
Um, I think I think we get confused about that. And it doesn't mean that 90% of diets that you go on don't cause you to lose weight. We all know how, how to lose weight. We've all seen people do it. We've done it maybe ourselves, maybe more than once. Um, but when we, they talk about you know diets being successful, what they're looking for in these studies is when someone loses weight, do they then keep the weight off? And if so, for how long? And, um, and it seems that there really is no diet that pr- produces permanent weight loss. As a matter of fact, it seems that the body starts to fight back against that weight loss after a period of time. And um, and so to me, that means that we're taking the wrong approach. If, like with that many studies, like this is pretty convincing evidence. Um, and But it's evidence that we get fooled by when we lose five pounds and feel like, hey, this is working. Like, you know, but ask me again two years from now when I've added 10 pounds and, and uh, you know, maybe I'll have a different story. Um, and then the data correlates with that. You know, when we started to get obsessed with weight loss in, you know, late 60s through the 70s and then a big boom in the 80s, um, you know, we started spending money like crazy on um, – you know, on weight loss products and the weight loss industry. And over that time, and I'm going to, I'm going to share a chart in this week's blog that will show you. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's from the U S department of health and human services. So that about the same time that we all got obsessed with weight loss, um, obesity rates started to skyrocket and they have just gone up and up and up and up and up. And, uh, in 2015, we spent as a, as a, country, $60 billion in the weight loss industry, and uh, our weight seems to be higher than ever. So to me, that is just the absolute example of being like, you know, trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Like it's actually crazy. Um, You know, and then I can even go back and cite some articles, you know, the research that they did on the biggest loser uh, contestants. And, you know, they discovered in the you know when they went back and they researched the bodies of the people who had lost weight after the biggest losers that um their bodies were actually fighting them to regain the weight that their metabolism had broken down so much through the weight loss process that they now burned fewer calories than they did when they you know before they had ever gone on this extreme diet and the researchers have found that that has continued that that is true even in people who didn't lose you know extreme pounds you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds and um you know, that their metabolism was slowing as their weight loss occurred. Their leptin levels, which is a hormone that signals when you're when you're full, like that's our body re, re, um, produces leptin and it, and it tells our brain like, hey, I'm full. Um, and when people lose weight, their leptin levels drop significantly, which causes feelings of intense hunger, like actual hormonal crazy signals to your brain of feed me, feed me, feed me. And, um, and then slowly they started gaining weight they were gaining weight, eating less food. And even as they gained weight, their metabolism didn't recover. And so these contestants from The Biggest Loser, they now burn between 200 and 800 fewer calories per day when they're at rest than they w- than would be expected for someone of their current size. Um, and, and like I said, this phenomenon, it's not restricted to the dramatic weight loss programs that you see on shows like The Biggest Loser. It's like almost every single weight loss program has this same phenomenon. Um, and so, 
So that is why I really feel like if we just attack weight loss and make that the goal, like the be-all, end-all goal, then we're really missing out on some important signals that our body is trying to tell us and important reactions that our bodies have to weight loss. And so what do we do? Like, what do we do with that? Um, So for me, that means that I... It's not like give up, throw in the towel and eat cookies, although I certainly do eat cookies every now and then because they're delicious. And like I said, I'm a human in this society and I have taste buds and I want to enjoy life. But what it does mean, um, you know, that's not something that I do all the time because I want to be healthy. I really, really do. Um, I want to be able to run marathons and chase kids around and maybe even have a kid myself someday. Um, So that meant that I had to tackle this idea of how do I measure healthy when we don't really have a language currently that that has healthy included in it because our language about healthy is all around weight loss. So if I'm not talking about weight loss, how do I measure healthy? So the way that I look at it is like we've got some measurable biomarkers that can tell us a lot about what's happening inside our bodies. We've got our blood pressure. We've got our cholesterol levels. We've got hormone levels. We've got vitamin levels. We've got our gut microbiome. You know, now scientists can take stool samples and and swab our mouths and and get a look at how our the bacteria that's supposed to be living in symbiosis with us, that's supposed to be helping us thrive, they can see how healthy that bacteria is and how, how much of it is in our bodies. Um, I can look at my sleep quality and not just from my perception of I'm tired, I'm not tired, but I can actually measure my heart rate variability, my resting heart rate, um, my sleep cycles every night. You know, our devices, everything from Fitbit to I have I wear a Whoop. I'm an ambassador for Whoop. Um, my Whoop tells me so much amazing information about how I'm sleeping and how I'm recovering. That's raw data that has nothing to do with my subjective ideas. Um, I can look at my body temperature. I can measure my athletic performance day to day, month to month, year to year. Um, so these are. This is just a small portion of measurable biomarkers that I can use to kind of determine how I'm doing in terms of health. And then we have our subjective biomarkers. So not even you know, and all the sciencey stuff isn't to discount the way that I actually feel day to day, my energy level, my moods, my skin quality. You know, when I look in the mirror and I look at my skin, you know, is am I do I have that glow or do I feel like bleh? You know, um, my digestive comfort. How does it feel when I eat food? My bowel movements. You know, there's like charts galore about how to look at your poop, but like, you know, I can tell when my body changes. I know, I know immediately. Um, You know, my bowel movements was how I figured out that I was lactose intolerant. Um, I can look at my perceived rate of exertion in my athletic performance, and I can, I can, you know, gauge how I feel in recoveries uh, mode. You know, when I've when I've been working really hard and I go to bed and when I wake up the next day, like what do I feel like, and and how do I feel going out for that next workout or that getting through that next work day? So there's lots of different ways that you can measure health. Um, and beyond that, I would ask you, like, how do you measure thriving? How do you measure that, that sense of well-being? Like, what other measurements could you make that had nothing to do with the scale that would tell you whether you're thriving or not? And I'll bet you that there are probably a lot of them. So before I get into the nitty-gritty of actual, like, what I think about different food groups, my challenge to you and then my thing that I would love for you to create a possibility around is to stop shoulding all over yourself. So that's S-H-O-U-L-D, should. I don't, want, I don't really want to hear about what 
all the things that you know you, quote, should do. What I really, really am interested in is what do you actually want to do this week before the next podcast comes out that would promote your personal sense of balance, health, well-being, and thriving. Like I want you to think about what it means to you to thrive, and I want you to try one little experiment that that would maybe give you a greater sense of self-ownership, empowerment, well-being, balance. Like you think through it, you set your goal, and don't make it something that you should do. Oh, I should eat better. Screw that. Make it something you really want to do that's for you and go and do it. Um, so next week I'm going to have uh, a topic that maybe isn't nutrition related, but then the week after that we're going to dive in with with uh, fruits and vegetables. And I can't wait to hear what you think of this podcast. I can't wait to hear about the things that make you feel like you are thriving. And I love you guys. And uh, and oh, this is just going to be so amazing if you take on this challenge. Um, and as always, if you loved this episode, if you like what I'm putting out there, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Give me a five-star rating. You know, throw in a comment of, like, tell me in the comments what it means to you to be thriving. You know, if you were to if you were to say today, like I'm ready to thrive and and I love myself the way I am today, like what would that look like? How how what would that open up for you? What would be the possibility in your life? Put that in the comments. I would love that. Um you know, and 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 ask your friends about it. Listen let give them this podcast to listen to. Um and uh, you can also find me on Twitter. You can check things out on Instagram. Um, I'm LJ Ingalls on Instagram and Twitter. My website, again, is laurajingles.com. There's podcast episodes up there. My book is up there. Um, TEDx talk is up there. The Reebok documentary is up there. So much stuff. I'm going to be adding more. Um, you know, I've already relaunched a blog. I uh, can't wait for you guys to check that out. And until next time, viva la diva. 